Well, it's an honor to be back here. It's kind of like being back on, uh, on my home field advantage. Uh, you know, after, after uh, ministering here with Derek for nine years, it's so different coming up and seeing all, all the things that have been painted. Many, many people from our uh, campus down in the Mesa Ridge have never actually been to the main campus before. And so this is, uh, this is their first time here. And so it's just great to be back uh, with the people that we have loved and cared for for almost a, a decade. And it's not like we're far away. We're only about 20 minutes down the road. But it's just different. You know what I mean? It's just different. Uh, now, I have been told that there are some people that are leaving to go to college. Maybe they're going into the military. Uh, and so we want to pray for those people this morning. Is that okay with everybody this morning? And so we know, I know of at least one. And so I want her to come up this morning for sure. Where's Sydney at? Don't cry again. Sheesh. You about got me crying last night at youth. Anyone else that's leaving for the military? Maybe you're leaving for college this week. Anything like that? We want to pray for you. Pray, pray a blessing over you. We got to pray for Sharon too. She's about to be an empty nester. With more closet space. You know, I hadn't thought about that. And you're going to college too, right? That's right. Are you going to Baylor. to Baylor? Man, there was a Nebraska fan that just went, what? Baylor, <laughs> right? Well, let's just pray over these lovely ladies. Amen. Just reach your hands up here. Father God, this morning, we just pray a blessing over these lovely ladies as they go to college. Lord God, I just ask that you would just surround them with your love and with your compassion. Lord God, that they would be a light in darkness. Lord God, so many of our campuses and our colleges have become beacons of darkness and not beacons of light. So Lord God, we ask that you would allow their light to shine brightly. Lord God, that, that other students would look to them and say, you have something different about you. What is it? And that they would speak boldly that it's christ in me the hope of glory lord god i pray for their families right now lord god that you would give them the peace that transcends all understanding lord god that when they go through times of separation anxiety if you will lord god i just ask that you would just calm their hearts that you would just pronounce peace over them and lord god that when they come back for for spring break or for Thanksgiving or for Christmas, that, that those homecomings would be so exciting that they would tell them about the great things that are going on in their colleges. Lord God, we desire a revival in our colleges. Lord God, let these two be the instruments, be the ingredients of something exciting going on in colleges today in jesus precious name and everyone said amen. amen well your parents didn't come up with you that's kind of rude man that's, that's kind of crazy well again good morning if you would like to turn to matthew chapter four we're going to talk today about being fishers of men you know our society today is to coin a term that's been used many, many times, going to hell in a handbasket. 
I'm not sure if any of you watch the news. I wouldn't suggest it. But something's going on in society that wasn't going on in society 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, definitely not 40 or 50 years ago. People are turning away from the Lord. They're desiring their own desires. And you can see it every day in the way people treat each other. We have something inside of us that can and will change lives. Do you believe that this morning? Whose life in, whose life in here has been changed by Christ? You have something inside of you that will change lives. 20-some years ago, someone spoke into my life. I was miserable. I wasn't happy being married. Sorry, Kelly. <laughs> I wasn't happy with my job. I drank way too much, and I didn't enjoy coming home. But someone spoke something in my life that changed me forever. And you have that inside of you. Will you use it? You see, sometimes we're, we're afraid to speak into people's lives. Oh, I don't, I don't, want, them to, I don't want them to think you know, I'm one of those Jesus freaks or I'm a Bible thumper or whatever. You know, people are so full of opinions these days. Have you noticed that? I've got a buddy... He's a, he's a movie person, so whenever he goes to a new movie, he's got to call and tell me about it. you got to go see this movie. It's so this. It's so that. I'm like, you know, I'm not really a big movie person, and I've been trying to get him to come to church for about 20 years. And, uh, and he always says, yeah, I'm not a big church person. It's just not me. And so I always say, well, I'm not a big movie person. Oh, you should go. Listen, those people that you work with, those people that you live next to, they all have opinions that they want to give you, but God forbid we were to mention Jesus. God forbid we were to, to mention something that would change their life forever. So we're going to talk today about being a fisher of men. So, so I want to take a quick poll. Who in here would consider themselves a fisherman? I mean, you've got fishing. I mean, if I were to say we're going fishing, you're showing up and you're going fishing. Who considers himself to be a fisherman? You got poles? Okay, so a few. Keep your hands up. How many people here... Uh, have been fishing before you've been fishing it's pretty fun okay how many people have ever keep your hands up keep your hands up how many people have ever heard about fishing <laughs> okay good okay so we've got everybody covered then all right i just want to make sure that i that that this was relevant to everyone who was here so go to matthew chapter 4 verse 18 it says and jesus walking by the sea of galilee saw two brothers Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Well, interesting. That's what fishermen do, huh? Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. You know, Jesus has a task for each one of us. He has a pond, if you will, that
that you get to fish in that no one else here can. Why? Because you work at different at somewhere different than someone else works. You have friends that are different than these people. You live in a different neighborhood than these people. Everyone has a spot and an opportunity to fish in a pond that I don't get to. That Pastor Derek doesn't get to. That Damon doesn't get to. But we all have an opportunity to be fishers of men. Now notice he said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Are there any followers of Jesus in here? Congratulations. He has called you to become a fisher of men. Some people are like, oh, I just need to wait till God says something spectacular. There's lightning bolts. There's, some, there's words in the sky. There's something. That's what I'm telling you right now. He has called you to become a fisher of men. Why did he call fishermen? You know, I, I haven't been fishing in, in many, many years. Uh, I, I used to go fishing quite a lot when my grandfather was still alive. We had great times together. Uh, and he taught me how to fish. Okay, now his fishing is a little different than other people's fishing. There were some rules that he taught me that I still believe today about fishing. Okay, number one, never talk while you're fishing. <laughs> I don't know why he said that. I, right? Is that, that, that may or may not be a rule. Number two, sleeping is allowed during fishing. You see, he taught me how to fish for catfish. So you put this nasty, stinky bait on there, or Velveeta, right? And you toss it in, you got a little bell on your thing, and then lights out. And I, that's what I thought fishing was all about. You know, we as believers, that's what we think fishing for men is all about. You toss your line in, and you take a nap, and you hope someone bites. Well, one time, we went fishing in, in uh, when I was 12 or 13 years old, we went fishing in in Missouri, and I was telling this to Brad, and they have largemouth bass in Missouri, okay? So I'm used to fishing catfish, you know, toss it out, no talking, grandpa's sleeping, that whole thing. Well, with largemouth bass, you get to be involved. It's pretty fun, right? You toss it out, you're reeling it in, you're, I mean, this is, that's what fishing for men should be all about. We should be involved if you're not involved you're not fishing amen you know why why did he call fishermen well let me tell you something fishermen understood that there would be long hours that you get up really early like way too early to go fishing like are fish even up that early they understand that there, it's painstaking work. You know, in those days, it was very labor-intensive with mending nets and casting out nets and rowing to where you're going. I mean, they didn't have these great boats with trolling motors and all this other stuff like they have now. But it was very labor-intensive. And I can assure you of this, fishing for men can be very labor-intensive. There was cleaning, fixing nets, you're always fixing your boats, et cetera, and et cetera. You know, I think it's because fishermen understand patience and perseverance is why he called fishermen. And you know, fishing for men takes patience and perseverance. 
patience and perseverance. You know, you may talk to someone and get no response. Anyone ever gone fishing and not caught anything? Maybe that's why I stopped fishing, because I would go fishing and not catch anything, right? You know, that happens sometimes when we're fishing for men. We can put a lot of hours in, and it doesn't seem like anything's happening. And then just like with fishing, all of a sudden, bam, something happens. You didn't do anything different. You weren't sitting different in the boat. It just, people just start coming. I mean, it's the weirdest thing. But I think that's why he called fishermen, because they understood that it was, took time. It took being part of the process of leading men to Christ. You know, sometimes there's lots of hard work and little reward in fishing and in fishing for men. You know, I've had friends for 20-some years now that I've tried to lead to Christ. They still, I mean, I'm always, but you should come to church with me. You should come, I mean, they still call me and want to go golfing and hang out. So I haven't made them that mad. But you'd think after 20-some years, they're like, man, that guy only talks about God and church. He drives us crazy. But you know, they still call. Hey, did you see this on, going on in baseball? Can you go golfing this week? Can you do this? Listen, when you build relationships, that's what we're talking about today, building relationships. That's how you fish for men. We're going to look at more of that later. Go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. It's the same set of scriptures here, except that there's one word that's different. Just one word. You're like, wow, one word? One word. Go to verse 17. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. That word is very important. Because when we start out in this gospel thing, we may not be fishers of men. When I started fishing as a little kid, I wasn't really a fisherman. But you know, by spending time doing it, by spending time in that activity, I became a fisherman. No different than Christ takes us where we are. And he helps us become fishers of men. You may say this morning, man, I don't know if I can do that. I, I just don't know if I can. Listen, spend time in prayer. Spend time in God's word. He will help you become a fisher of men. It is the greatest job in the kingdom. The greatest job in the kingdom is to become a fisher of men. You know, I said last week at the Mesa Ridge campus, with 12 men, they turned the world upside down. What could Christ do today with millions and millions of believers? The news would change. Hollywood would change. Thank you, Jesus. Books would change. People's attitude toward each other would change. With millions and millions of believers, if we started to become fishers of men. How would society change? We might put 
the police department out of business. Militaries may be out of business. Weapon producers might be out of business. If we became fishers of men. You know, I think he called fishermen for a couple reasons. Number one, fishermen are very intentional. They are intentional. I mean, they, they stay up late. They pack all their stuff. They make sure they've got everything ready to go fishing. They get up way too early to go fishing, right? They buy way too expensive boats, and then they need a trailer for the boat, and then they need a truck for the boat, right? But fishermen are intentional. When they do something, it is for a purpose. You know, they, they usually make sure they have a, a, ro- a reel and a rod. I know I'm missing mine. I'm sorry. You know, I know I'm missing a piece at the end, too. You know, when I was putting this together, all I could see was, and I told this to Mrs. Wick, was, you know. <laughs> now, if you're under a certain age, you don't know what that is. Talk to your parents. You know, they, they've got their rod and their reel. They keep them nice. Some of them keep them in bags so they never get messed up. They clean them. I mean, they're intentional in what they do. You know, they've got their, their tackle box, and I probably haven't opened up this tackle box in years, and Chad was making fun of me because there's some stuff in here that's, that's a little moldy, a little nasty. But, you know, they're intentional. They make sure they have bobbers, right? They make sure they've got lures. They make sure they've got all their stuff ready because there's something about going fishing. When you're out there, you just don't turn around and go, oh, you know, I forgot this. Fishermen are intentional in what they do. You know, they usually take a cap out there. Anybody ever been fishing and not take a cap and get sunburned? Now, you may not take this cap, right? But, you know, you probably take a cap with you just in case because you don't want to get sunburned, right? You take sunscreen, right? You don't want to get burnt. You don't want to get burnt up on the water. But you're intentional. You know, as fishers of men, we have to be more intentional in what we do. Way more intentional. Whether your thing is fishing or whether your thing is golfing or softball or motorcycle riding, people are intentional about those things that they enjoy. On our block, we've got some people that are very intentional about their lawn. I mean, I think they go out and they measure it. I mean, I was out pulling weeds, but I mean, that's different, right? They are, I mean, they're in, we, we, know, we happen to be intentional about things that we think are important. And sometimes we are not intentional enough as fishers of men. What do you mean about being intentional? Well, let me give you some examples. Get involved in your community. Step away from your computer, from your iPhones, from your iPads, from your video games. I know I just made all the youth mad. Back away from those things. Get involved in your community. Pastor blessed me when we started this campus, and he said, hey, there's a high school right up on the top of the hill. I said, yeah, there is. It's Mesa Ridge High School. He goes, why don't you go there and coach baseball? You're going to let me coach baseball? Yeah, why not? I didn't think pastors could coach baseball. Get involved in your community. Yes, sir. So I volunteered up there. Um, We had an okay year. It wasn't great, but I'll tell you what, I got to meet a lot of great kids, a lot of good families, and then 
the coach said, hey, you know, we've got a, we play baseball in the summer. Would you be willing to coach a team this summer? It's all yours. You just take care of it. Just do whatever you need to do. Sure, I don't mind doing that. And then summer hit. And I forgot how hot it is. <laughs> and this has been a hot summer. So we usually practice two or three hours on a Monday. We play double headers on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So it worked out to be uh, about 14 to 15 hours a week that I was out on the baseball field. Now, in my youth, I would never complain about that. Now that I'm getting a little older, man, it's hot, right? But I, it, I got to meet some great kids, and now the head coach from the high school says, hey, you know, we had a coach resign. Uh, would you be interested in taking over that team? Sure, if that's what you want, I, I'd love it. Some of the parents came to me this summer, and they're like, hey, what, what team are you going to coach this year? So well, I'm going to be coaching, probably be coaching the C squad, uh, unless the JV coach uh, resigns, and then I'd like to do JV. Sure, I'd like to take over varsity, but let's not push it, right? Uh, and, he's, and so they're like, oh, we thought you'd do this and this and that. Listen, get involved in your communities. We're building friendships down at the Mesa Ridge campus. You may say, man, I can't coach at high school. I'm just not like that. You know, driving past little kids down there playing soccer, I don't think you have to be an Olympic soccer coach to coach any of those kids. I mean, if you throw the ball out and you keep them from beating each other up, you're prob that's probably it, <laughs> right? But we have to get involved in our community. How many people don't know at least three of their neighbors on their block? Right? Get involved. Walk up to them if they're working on their car, they're working on their lawn, their garage door's open. Just walk up and start talking to them. Get involved in your community. Be more intentional. Let me tell you another way you can be intentional. You know, we are very, very much creatures of habit, correct? So, we, so for the most part, you shop at the same place for groceries every week, right? So try to go about the same time every week. Try to get in that same line. Maybe you get the same lady who's checking you, checking out, your, you, checking you out of the grocery store. Not checking you out at the grocery store. That's why I go. Sometimes I, I don't even take Kelly. But anyway, um, try, to, try to get the same people in the grocery store. Why? Because you can build friendships that way. It's just weird. Kelly and I usually get the same one or two people at the grocery store where we go, right? And, hey, how you doing this week? Have you guys been busy this week? Yeah, yeah. Be blessed. Have a great day. Yeah, that's all it takes, right? We didn't go five points through Calvinism, go through Armenianism, and we didn't, we didn't study the whole book of Romans while she's checking out our bacon and eggs and stuff. We're just being friendly. Just be friendly. We have to be more intentional we have to be more intentional you know first peter chapter 3 verse 15 it says always be ready always be ready always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you always be ready that makes you a fisher of men. In our schools, 
boys and girls, be more intentional. At work, ladies and gentlemen, be more intentional. I mean, I can't imagine working with somebody for years and years and them, years and them not even knowing that you're a believer. How weird is that? I was embarrassed after working at Pueblo Toyota for about four years. We, I always had people come into my office and tell me their problems, and we'd talk and, you know, all this other stuff. And just one day, some lady goes, oh, I didn't know you were a pastor at a church. I had failed. I had failed. And so be more intentional. Become fishers of men. You know, if you want to be more intentional, be filled with God's word. Spend time in prayer. Go where the fish are. Go where the fish are. And you know where the fish are? Not in front of your TV. They're not in front of your video game. Your PS2s, your Wii's, and all that other stuff. Go where the fish are. Where's, is Brad in here? Oh, Brad's doing J12. Brad loves the fish. I mean, he loves to fish. And I, I'll bet you if you asked him, you know, where's the best place to fish? If you were going to pick a place, where would you go fishing right now? And he'd tell you. He knows where the fish are. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to find the fish. Get involved in your community. Get involved in your neighborhood. Get involved in people's lives. In your friends' lives. Does it get messy? Fishing can be messy. It can be stinky. Worms and nasty water. And then you catch them and then you got to clean them. And Jesus cleans them, amen. Thank you, right? Maybe getting in, in, involved in the lives of your neighbors, your coworkers. This will not be easy. It will take up some of your precious time. You know the second thing that fishermen do? Fishermen know what they're fishing for. When they leave the house, they know what lake they're going to, and they know what they're fishing for. Now, there's tons of things to fish for. I mean, you can fish for trout, salmon, bass, pike, catfish, wiper. Uh, my brother-in-law went sword fishing one year. But you've got to know what you're fishing for. Here's why. Because based on what you're fishing for, that will decide where you will fish. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, some people, when I was a kid, catfishing, right? On the bank, line in, lawn chair, nap, right? If you're going for trout, it's a little different. You may have to put on waders, move out into the water a little bit, right? Maybe you're fly fishing, something like that. Maybe you're going trolling, so you're going to need a boat, right? If you go sword fishing, you probably need a big boat and probably a big line. But unless you know what you're fishing for, you're not going to know where to fish, how to fish, all those things that are involved in fishing, well, being a fisher for men, you have to know what you're fishing for. You're fishing for people's lives. 
You're fishing to change lives. And I can tell you this, it's a great sport. It's great to see people's lives change. It's great to see people's lives change and then their family change. I look around and I see the families that are in here that I've known for many, many years. And to see their families change for Christ. And then it changes someone else's family. And then it changes someone else's family. You know, I said last week at the Mesa Ridge campus, there are more programs, our government has more programs today, gives out more money today, has more social everything today, and yet society is no better today than it was decades ago. Why? Because programs don't change lives. More money thrown on something does not change lives. Christ will change lives. That's the only thing that will change lives. The only thing. And when you're involved in fishing for men, you are involved in changing lives. Changing lives. You know, when we have youth group, it's kind of loud. The music's a little loud, you know. I stand more toward the back. It doesn't seem as loud back there. Brad's like, when I drive, it's loud, right? But let me tell you something. I'd rather them be here, listening to loud music, loving on Jesus, than out there, messing up something. And so older generation, when you're like, man, they're loud, they're rambunctious. Listen, they're serving Christ. Amen? They're, change, they're getting their lives changed. Why? So that they can change other lives. I know school's about to start. Everybody's got their new clothes. They're ready to go to, everybody's ready to go back to school, right? The kids are like, no, and all the parents are like, yay! <laughs> right? Change lives. Change lives. Tell someone about Christ. Become a fisher of men. You know, the last thing that fishermen know is they know what bait to use. When we were, when I was a kid and we'd go catfishing, like I said, it was kind of stinky bait, Velveeta cheese. I didn't even know they made Velveeta cheese to go fishing with, right? But they know what bait to use. They know that this works with this fish, and this works with this fish, and this works with this fish. As fishers of men, you have to know what bait works. You know, there's this church in Kansas, and you know they boycott things, and they show up at some of our military funerals and spouting terrible, terrible things. Things that Christ would not be happy with, I assure you. Because Christ was about love and compassion. Did he allow sin? No way. He took sinners from where they were, and he moved them to where they should be. And I don't think that that works. I think people get enough of that on TV and at work and all that other stuff. I think what people need is a good dose of love. 
So I can assure you, as fishers of men, use love. Use love. Try it. It'll work on any fish. My grandfather, we had these, this, we went to, when, I, when we went fishing that one time in Missouri, my grandfather, there's this joke we say that my grandfather could talk to an axe murderer for an hour in the mall, and, uh, and he could talk to anybody. And fishermen will talk to anyone. Why? Because they want to know what's working. Hey, what's working on this? And what's biting over here? And should I use this lure? Should I use this? Well, we were fishing, and they said, listen, there's largemouth bass in this lake, so you've got to use this thing. It's called a, craw, a crawdad rattle. Anybody ever heard of that? It, it looks like a crawdad. Okay, it's plastic, and it's got a little rattle in it. And when you shake it, it rattles. And, fit, and I guess largemouth bass like it because I caught one, so they must, right? But fishermen will talk, and they'll listen, and they'll observe. Why? Because they want to see what's working on this lake today. What's working on this place today? As fishers of men, we have to be astute to the things that are working today. And I can assure you, love always works. Love always works. You know, maybe it's your work, all those people are, I don't know, accountants. So you've got to talk to them a certain way about Christ. Maybe at your work, they love sports. So you can talk to them that way. Maybe they like NASCAR or whatever they like. Clothes, shoes, I mean, I don't know, right? But find out what they like. And that's the way you move them into the kingdom, by building relationships with them. And then moving them into the kingdom based on what's biting and what's working today. It may be this, it may be that, but it's always something. And so fishermen, sometimes they use worms. Sometimes they will use flies. They're fly fishing. Sometimes they use something called a jig. I thought it was funny. My grandpa told me once about spoons. And you know as a kid what you're thinking. You throw spoons in the water and fish bite it? There's something called spoons. Maybe rattles. Maybe it's stink bait that works. Maybe it's Velveeta cheese. Maybe if you're going trout fishing, you're going to use salmon eggs. I saw this infomercial on TV. There's this bait, and it's got like a blinking light in it. And you throw it out, and as you're reeling it back, it like blinks. Hey, if it works, it works, right? You have to know what is going to work. Why? Because everyone is different. Let me tell you what worked for me. I said 20-some years ago, I wasn't happy. I was working way too much, drank way too much, and this guy showed up on second shift, and I was trying to get the first shift so I could finish some, uh, some college courses because I was studying electrical engineering at the time. And uh, I couldn't get back to first shift, and I was ticked, and I went ballistic on my boss, and I should have been fired. And this guy shows up uh, on second shift just within about a week or so after I went ballistic uh, on my boss, and his name was Boyd Port. And, uh, and I had heard that he was a Bible thumper. I heard he went to church, and I went to church as a kid, so I, I, I mean, I, I knew enough, right? And so he, he comes to lunch, and we're sitting there eating lunch, and he, he starts asking me questions. And so I thought, you know, being the smart aleck that I can be sometimes, he, 
he said, well, what do, you th- what do you think about God? And I said, all the gods are the same. Buddha, Harry Krishna, I mean, it doesn't matter. It all work out in the wash. And he said, oh, really? Okay. Well, we're eating our sandwiches. And he looks over at me and says, uh, I had another question. I said, yeah. Because I thought I had them, right? I mean, I'm brilliant. And he says, he goes, uh, can you tell me uh, which of those guys uh, sent their son to die on the cross? That's about how it was while I was eating my sandwich. It was about that quiet. Why? Because I grew up in church. I was going to go to a Christian college and play baseball there. He had me. He spoke right here. He had me. I said, and for the next three hours, that's all we did was talk about God. He knew what bait to use. How? I don't know. Maybe he prayed. Maybe he had been in his word. I don't know. But I got home that night. Kelly was already asleep. I woke her up and I said, hey, what do you think about going to church this Sunday? She was like, who are you and what have you done with Warren? We talked for a while, and she said, if you want to go to church, that's fine. I mean, we had gotten married in church, so it wasn't like it was illegal or anything like that. (laughs) Right? And we went to church, and we've been going ever since. That was January of 1991. It's because someone became a fisher of men. As I look around, everyone in this room was led to Christ by someone. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was a friend at work. Maybe somebody you went to school with, I don't know. But someone got out of their comfort zone and became a fisher of men and fished you, if you will, into the kingdom. And now you have an opportunity to do that same thing. Now you might say to yourself, why would I want to do that? I mean, it sounds like it's going to take up some of my time. It sounds like it's going to be stinky maybe. I'm going to have to get away from my computers. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do this. Well, let me tell you why. You know, our motto here, our mantra, our vision statement, however you want to state it, is loving God, loving others, and making disciples. And that's why we become fishers of men. If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. We're going to talk about why do we do this? Why do we become fishers? Why get involved? I mean, there's a lot of Christians. I mean, why, why not them, let them do it? Go to chapter 22, verse 36. It says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law Jesus said to him you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and great commandment you know when you love God with all your heart with all your mind and with all your soul it's going to spill out on others The more you love on Him, the more it's going to spill out 
on others. And that makes it easier to become a fisher of men. I've said it before, if you give me 10 or 15 minutes with somebody, I'll know exactly what's in their heart. Why? Because the Bible says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you spend a lot of time with sports, or spend a lot of time in cars, or spend a lot of time in whatever, sooner or later, that's going to come out of your heart. Out of that overflow, everyone's going to know exactly where you stand, whether it's politics, whether it's whatever it is. And you know, if we're continuing to fill ourselves up, loving God, you know what's going to come out? God's going to come out. He's just going to flow out of us into other people's lives, and people will want that. Now, at first, they may say, whoa, this dude's a little weird. He's got a lot of Jesus or something. But I'll tell you what, when something goes wrong, you know who they're going to call for? You know they're going to come see? You know who they're going to bring their problems to? You. And you want them to bring them to you. And somebody just said, no, I don't. <laughs> yes, you do. Why? Because if you've got Christ in you, you have the answer to their problems. No matter what the problem is, you have the answer to their problems. So that's the first reason why we do this, why we become fishers of men, because we love God so much that it just flows out from us. It just becomes part of us. There's no separating you and your love for God. And I love to hang out with people that are like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I still enjoy sports and motorcycles and all that other stuff. But I enjoy spending time with people who love God. Why? Because no matter whether the, our teams are winning, the motorcycle's broke, we don't have time to go golfing, God is always prevalent. Amen? We always have something there, something that links us for eternity. And so if you're going to become a fisher of men, you've got to love God more. And that will just pour out of you. And people will get it. The second thing is, in verse 39, it says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. You know, Jesus didn't stop at just loving God. I mean, that's, I mean don't get me wrong. That's pretty important. But the next level to that is loving others. And it's why we become fishers of men. Why? Because we want to help get people out of this and into more of God. Why? Because we already said it's the only thing that will change lives. The only thing that will change lives. It says he went on to say that the second greatest thing we can do is to love others. As a church, we long to be a fellowship that embraces others with the tangible love 
of Christ. Love for others moves us with compassion toward others. If you don't have compassion for others, spend time with God. The world is bigger than just you. No one is an island unto themselves. This thing is much bigger than me, than Derek, than Gateway Church. This thing is big. I mean, it's big. I'm reading a book. I'm reading two books. But this is the one that I've been reading the last couple days. It's by uh, Louis Palau. Has anybody ever heard Louis Palau? Great evangelist. He'll probably, he worked for uh, Billy Graham for many, many years. Now he has his own uh, evangelistic crusades throughout the world. And, and the difference between him and Billy Graham, and Billy Graham is, is stud. I mean, don't get me wrong on that. But he's just more theological. He's just deeper than he is. And so he's written a few books. This book that I'm reading right now is called A Friendly Dialogue Between an Atheist and a Christian. And he took three, tri three trips to China, and he met with one of their prime ministers. And they just had dinner and talked and talked and talked. The, the uh, transcripts for this are 70,000 word, words. And so they, so they put it into a book, and here's what he writes in the, in the prologue to this book. It is my privilege and responsibility to introduce Jesus Christ, His teaching and His gift of eternal life to the world. It is a calling I hold dearly, for I believe Jesus Christ offers tremendous power, freedom, and eternal satisfaction to both nations and individuals. Now notice he didn't say individuals and nations. But he said it can change nations. You know why? Because it's unbelievable how many powerful men he has spoken to. He goes right to their leaders, right to their presidents. Talks to them about Jesus and how Christ can change their nation and then it what we call the trickle-down effect as believers it is our privilege to take christ to our friends and to our neighbors it's not something that we should take lightly nor shall we take it for granted if you have not become a fisher of men i urge you I urge you to become a fisher of men. You know, the last reason that we do this is in Matthew chapter 28. If you'd like to turn there. We're still good on time, so we'll just finish up here. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. You don't have to wait for some special revelation to see if God wants you to talk to your neighbor, your friend, or those in your family about the gospel. He says, go. Pastor Marty used to always say, 
When you get a green light, you go until you get a red light. And then when you get a red light, you should stop until you get another green light. This is your green light. And for generation after generation after generation, we have not gotten the red light. And therefore, he says, go. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why? Because we love God, we love others, and lastly, we make disciples. It's great that we can hang out together, do barbecues together, play basketball together at youth and all that other stuff, but I want you guys to become disciples. Why? Because when you become a disciple, you can lead someone else to become a disciple. And that is why we become fishers of men. Because we love God. Because we love others. And because it is our great desire to make disciples. How does that happen? We spend time with others. We spend time in our community. We volunteer. We get involved. We go where the fish are. We figure out what's biting, what's not biting. We figure out what bait is working now and what isn't. You know, when I was a kid, we had pews and hymnals, which is fine. I don't mind churches like that. And that worked great for that generation. And then the next generation, we've got words on the wall and cool instruments and all this stuff. And I don't have a problem with that either. You see, because the methods may change. You may fish with different bait today than you do tomorrow. But I can assure you this, the message has not changed. The same Christ that died on the cross centuries ago paid for our sins, gave his life up so that we can have a relationship with God. That's the same gospel that's being preached today. So the methods may change. The way we do things may change. And we don't like change. But I can assure you, at Gateway Church, Jesus will still be preached. Whether it's at the Mesa Ridge campus, whether it's at the main campus, whether it's at Black Forest, whether it's at Woodland Park, Jesus will be preached. Go back to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to close today. Now I want to re reiterate that I can't fish in your pond and you can't fish in my pond. But that's okay because your pond is pretty big. In the car business, we said that if you don't treat a customer right, they'll tell up to 250 different people that you did not treat them well. That seems like a lot. I mean, I was pretty flabbergasted when I first heard that. And yet, you have up to 250 different people that you can minister to. 
You have a whole church just in your friends, and a big church, I might say. But you know what the main problem is? And I've read this in book after book after book. We hang out with Christians too much. Most of our friends are believers. Many of our friends, most of our friends, almost all of our friends are believers. We've got to get involved in our community. We've got to go where the fish are. We've got to go where people need help. And I love coming to church. I love worshiping. I love listening to the word. I love all that stuff. But the harvest is out there. It's out there. It's not in here. I bet you 99% of the people in this room right now are already believers. The harvest is out there. Go out there and find it. All right, I want to ask you a question. And it's a pretty important question. You may not be able to answer it right now. And so that's why I want you to write it down in the top of your Bibles. Write in my Bible? Yes, it's okay to write in your Bible. So go to chapter 4 in Matthew. And at the top, you probably have a little room there at the top, right? Here's what I want you to write in there. I want you to write, will I do anything for the kingdom? Will I do anything for the kingdom? And like I said, you may not be able to answer that right now. In fact, I prefer if you don't answer it right now. Because your answer on this will change generations. Your answer on this will change families. Your answer on this may change your kids. You see, the gospel is about one generation bringing it to the next generation, bringing it to the next generation, and then to the next generation. And so the way that you answer this can affect generations. So I want you to write, will I do anything for the kingdom? Okay? And then according to how you would answer that with a positive an affirmative or with a negative right next to that or right under that or somewhere I want you to write then do something then do something if you'll do anything for the kingdom and you might say man I could answer that and I could end up in Bora Bora as a missionary probable not possible I mean Maybe possible, not probable, right? But if you'll do anything for the kingdom, I would ask you, then do something. And I can't tell you what that is. But I want you to do something for the kingdom. You have to be Billy Graham, Billy Sunday, Luis Palau, have great evangelistic outreaches? No. Just go tell your neighbor that God loves them. Next time you're going through the line at Walmart or wherever you shop, say, man, thank you for, your, thank you for what you did. To, I mean, you're you much faster than anyone else normally is. 
Can I just tell you that God loves you? God cares about you? That's it. And you will be surprised. When you're out at lunch today, be a blessing to your waiter or waitress. Tell them God loves them. Do something. It doesn't matter to me what it might be. Just do something. So, today we talked a little bit about fishing. So, I, I have some fish to hand out. Anybody like sweetest fish? Huh? Only because you're nice to me. Sweetest fish? Sweetest fish? Man, I could do this at Sky Sox Stadium. This is pretty cool. Sweetest fish? Become a fisher of men. Amen? Why don't we stand? If you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Maybe you've heard this message this morning and you said, you know, I've never given my life to God. I mean, it, it sounds like there's hope. It sounds like there's peace. It sounds kind of cool. Sounds like it might be hard work, but it can't be any harder than what I'm going through right now. I would pray this morning that if you feel that tug on your heart where God is calling you into His kingdom, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, if you feel that tug this morning, if you just raise your hand, I would love to pray with you. All right, that tells me that everyone in here is giving their life to the Lord. So we're just going to pray, Heavenly Father, this morning. I myself will do anything for the kingdom and I just pray that hearts are touched this morning Lord God we haven't condemned anyone for what they've done because it says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren but Lord God I want to spark men and women of God to action to become fishers of men why because we love God why because we love others why because our greatest desire is to make disciples Lord God I pray that hearts have been moved this morning to go fishing Lord God, that saying that we used to say, stop wishing, go fishing. Lord God, I just pray that right now over this congregation. Lord God, that any fear, any trepidation, anything that might be holding them back from speaking to their friends, speaking to their neighbors, speaking to their relatives, their co-workers, that person standing next to them 
in line, wherever they might be shopping, Lord God. Lord God, that you would bring about faith and not fear in their hearts. Lord God, that you would give them the words to say, the words that change lives, the words that change nations, the words that change generations. Lord God, fill us up with so much love that it just overflows out of us onto people. Lord God, let our love for others be so tangible that people are drawn drawn toward us, Lord God. Why? Because we have something that they need. Lord God, we have kept our candle underneath and not seen for long enough. Let our city be set on a hill where it can be seen. Move us. Help us to become fishers of men. No matter where someone is at right now, help them become a fisher of men. Lord God, I just speak a blessing over this congregation and over the other congregations in this city that are preaching Christ and Him crucified. Lord God, keep us safe this week. Bring us back with great stories about how you are changing lives and that you're using your people to do it. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.